Hello, everyone. Thanks for checking into localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and you're listening to Job Search Guide, where we look to give you tips and strategies to help you land that next great position. We do that by enlisting some expert guests. Now, in today's world, your online presence does play a role in your chance of being hired in most cases. And our guest today has some insight into what employers want to see when they search for you on the internet. Brenda Berkelar is an author, teacher, and researcher at the University of Texas at Austin Moody College of Communication, and her work uh, does help people navigate through this contemporary career and life digital age, as we like to call it. Brenda, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks, Tim. Now, as I mentioned, it's, uh, it's a topic that does come up that people ask about in terms of that online presence. In today's age, how important is it for a job seeker to make sure that their online presence is, I uh, guess, how they want it to be? It's become a lot more important. A lot of employers, uh, more than half, uh, there's kind of a range between, I would say, 40 to 60%, depending on surveys and sometimes higher, are going online either to find people who aren't actively looking or to evaluate people who are looking. And so some of the research I've done has shown that it's not really just about avoiding red flags. Employers are actually expecting you to have a professional presence online, that Mm -hmm. that's part of being a contemporary professional. And if you're looking at it, I I mean, you mentioned obviously kind of the the 50-50 idea. Is this a big factor? Do you think that this trumps other aspects such as resume or references, or is this still a smaller portion when you're looking at the the whole picture? I think it kind of depends. And that's in part because we don't really know yet. Sure. So there's not a lot of behind the scenes stuff. The bigger issue is kind of how consistent that is. So mm-hmm. if you have a resume that's really kind of positive and stellar and shows that you're a great match, and then your online presence creates a disconnect from that resume, mm-hmm. then it's going to play a bigger part. If the resume and the online presence kind of align together, that's going to be more positive. And that's not a new thing with online. Sure. We kind of like people to be consistent, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it plays more of a factor when it's unexpectedly discordant. Okay, that makes sense. How about on the legal side? Because that is a question that we get asked quite a bit, uh, just in the various things we do here. To what extent would something be illegal? Or when you're looking at, of course, discrimination being the, the biggest consideration, possibly you know, someone's online photo, whether it be because of race or gender, uh, if you're looking at from the, maybe the, the worst point of view. What have you come across? What have you seen? Uh, where are we standing in terms of legalities? So that's not really a question I can specifically answer because I'm not a lawyer and my research doesn't go that way. Okay. The standard employment laws still hold. Sure. The thing that's interesting in the legal research on it is that people are still kind of sorting out which aspects of it hold. Obviously, illegal discrimination still holds. Right. Um, Right. But the other parts of it, we haven't figured that out yet in a lot of areas. But again, I'm not a lawyer, so I would defer to the legal experts on that one. <laughs> and I do appreciate that. And you're right. I mean, there is a, a ton of gray area, obviously. And um, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. the, the standard ideas of, of discrimination do exist. Of course, the question yep. is, you know, how people are finding those things out. So before we get into maybe some details, as we mentioned, uh, the ideas that you have as far as being able to help the job seekers understand what are these employers looking for with that presence. In general, you talked about wanting that consistency. You also hear this idea that they want to see who you really are, and that's where you're going to find it, right, online. Do you buy that? Do you believe that's the truth? How would you you define that? I think that employers are saying they want to see who you really are, but I think that what they're really looking for is can you act like a professional, Mm. right? 
So a lot of times when we say who you really are, a lot of us assume it's kind of like how we are when we're hanging out with our family. Okay. But we act differently with our family than with our friends, than with employers or at a job interview. Right. Right. And so that's the thing that makes it kind of interesting online. We do those same things online. We interact with our friends, our family. We might try to get a job on LinkedIn, but everybody can search an awful lot of it and those kind of contexts get smushed together. Mm -hmm. So you have these kind of invisible audiences that are kind of looking in on things that you might be doing with your friends. And while it might be a completely appropriate way to interact with your friends, you probably wouldn't interact the same way in a job interview. Right, right. And and that is the part that I'm always interested about because, uh, you know, I have children and we always describe, you know, you act different ways in different situations. If you're at a party mm-hmm. versus, say, a funeral, I'd hope that you're acting differently and that there is some, uh, your behavior isn't consistent there necessarily. Now, let's talk about some of those areas specifically. Um, you mm-hmm. had written an article and I thought there were some really nice points that I was hoping we could elaborate on. And okay. um, there was the idea of, and you mentioned this, being professional online, um, confident in a way. How exactly do you portray that? What would an employer actually be looking for when you're talking about these ideas of confidence or, or professional online presence? We haven't dug into a lot of the details on that, but some of our research suggests those are things like the kind of photos you have. Okay. So how are you dressed and is that dress appropriate to the occupation that you're looking for? If I was going to work for a financial company in downtown Boston, I want to be in a suit, probably black or gray, right? okay. as opposed to if I was working for a company, a startup app company. And I'm, I'm exaggerating for the sake of making a point right. that where a black suit might not be the most appropriate. And so you want to have that kind of a line with what's normal in that occupational situation. And so the picture is kind of a big thing. It seems to be that people are using that to kind of assess, do you know what the norms are for the business, Mm -hmm. the business world, and particularly our business world? And so that can get a little bit slippery if you're making a national search or looking at a couple of different industries, in which case I would tend to lean towards more conservative. Okay. You tend to be more expansive in that way. Sure. When they're looking at items like that, would you say that the employer, and of course, it's going to depend on who's looking and what exactly looking for, but are they almost already trying to check and see, would this person be a fit? Would culturally they, they get it and fit in with the rest of the people that are here? That's really what they're kind of looking at. And there's, there's kind of a sense of three things that employers want to know, right? They want to know, can you do the job? So like, are you competent? Do you have the skills? They want to know, do you want to do the job? Mm. And then they want to know, are you the kind of person that I'd want to work with. And so I think that you get some of all of those questions when people are looking online, but they're trying to get at the kind of person you are. Is this the kind of person I want to work with? Do they fit in with our organizational culture and what I think? Now, that's where it gets sticky, right? They're doing it kind of using these quick mental models. And we tend to like people that are similar, but there's some advantages in having people that have different perspectives, different looks and different outlooks. And so (laughs) it creates an an interesting dilemma, not just for our broader life, but also for employers. Like, are they really getting what they want? Right. No, that's a great point. In fact, pointing out that similarities while being great may not be the best for your organization at that time. Another area I thought was interesting is uh, the concept of endorsements. And of course, Mm -hmm. you can see those as being formal or informal in the online world. What's sort of the employer's view of those and how would a job seeker utilize these to the best of their ability? Some of the things that's really interesting about endorsements is they're kind of, in some ways, a spinoff of recommendations and references. Mm -hmm. But one of the 
things that's happening in kind of the offline hiring world and why employers are going online, it's not just because it's there, is that it's sometimes hard to get reference checks anymore. You'll call an employer and they'll say, this person worked from this date to this date and this was their job title. And you can't get (laughs) kind of the information. Like employers really kind of want to know who you are. And so some of those endorsements online can give some insights into the type of person you are or the project you are working on. And so picking people who know how to, who are credible themselves, right? As an academic, I might pick another academic. When I was doing corporate consultancy, I'd be more likely to pick people who are executives or who worked in IT or did stuff that was related to my field. So they would be credible in that way, Sure. but who give kind of a detailed portrait of the kind of person that I am. That's one of the things that they're looking for. They're trying to get a sense of you from these other people. The other thing that's kind of interesting, they kind of, people like, if people are connected to other people that they know, Mm -hmm. they feel a little bit more trustworthy. So if you get a recommendation, and this works in our kind of everyday personal life too, right? A recommendation for a hairstylist or a trainer or any other kind of person is ranked more highly if it's from somebody you know and trust. Right. And so these kind of online endorsements, if they're somehow connected to an organization that the person knows or somebody that they know, they're going to be ranked higher. And then if you have some of them over time, that can help as well. And some of that depends on the industry. Mm-hmm. In some industries, there's other endorsements that come elsewhere, but it gives you kind of an extra personal credibility of a kind of an outsider. It's not just you saying, hey, I'm awesome, right. give me the job. Right. It's other people saying, no, really, they're awesome. They did this awesome project for me. And they did it on time, under budget, and they were incredibly friendly and great to work with. I would totally work with them again. Now, would you suggest that job seekers look to get these endorsements or at least connect with people, as you said, that you know are maybe in that circle and that network are are trusted in a certain way? Because, of course, in the online world now, we have many ways we can connect with these people through different sites and, Mm -hmm. and networking opportunities. How much of that do you think you can create a little bit versus letting it happen naturally? Think of it as uh, there's a great communication perspective called planned happenstance, Hmm. where you set up opportunities so you're ready to take advantage of opportunities that happen. So if you know you're looking at Corporation A and you happen to be at a party and somebody mentions that their husband works at Corporation A or their partner works at Corporation A or their friend works at Corporation A, you can ask them if they happen to know somebody there and then make the connection that way. So if if you know kind of the direction that you're heading, you're open to those opportunities and it helps make those connections much more genuine. And so a lot of people get frustrated with how do I network and finagle my way in? By knowing what you're looking for, you can kind of be open to those opportunities. I tend to err on the side of picking people who really know your work and know how to communicate it well. So those two things, they know your work and they'll also communicate it well. And starting with those people. And then using, if you're genuinely curious about a company, using connections of connections to kind of learn about the company as opposed to saying, write an endorsement about me. Because the endorsement loses its value if the person doesn't really know you. I think those are some very good practical tips for our listeners to to keep in mind. And I think um, very useful in terms of utilizing what we're talking about here online. Another interesting aspect that you had brought up was the idea, and it kind of meshes a little bit, the idea of the personal with professional lives and being able to see that, as you put it, the right kind of private life, so to speak. Can you describe a little bit what you're talking about there and how that falls in line with um, maybe what employers are looking for? When we were using the language of the right kind of private life, 
when we did the research, one of the things that we saw was that people were kind of using that their evaluation standards that they use for politicians on workers. And so we often look for politicians that have the right kind of, that language is kind of a consistent idea of the right. right kind of private life. And so as unfair as it is, and this is kind of why cyber vetting gets really kind of, this online searching gets really kind of problematic, mm-hmm. is we rank certain ha- hobbies and certain things as better or worse. And they're not necessarily better or worse. Like some of our data shows that people really like people who run. They think of them as driven, as focused, and as disciplined. Okay. Whereas somebody who does another hobby, like say collect Beanie Babies, <laughs> may not be that, may not be perceived that way. Right. But there's not necessarily any evidence that people who run versus people who collect Beanie Babies are different in, in any way that matters to the job that they're about to be hired for. Sure. That's where they seem to be looking for that people are engaged and interested in things that kind of show, seem to demonstrate a character value or a competency that would matter to the organization. It gets, it gets at the point that it's a sticky question, right? Right. And I, and I get the sense, and I appreciate you trying to answer openly, honestly, because I, I get the sense you are trying to be careful because in understanding that there are some, you know, again, how you could deem it, I guess, shady ways of, of doing this. I do, I do understand what you're saying in terms of the like-minded and uh, trying to decide, okay, if somebody, as you said, I think the great example is running. They must be disciplined in some way to be able to continue to do that. That's not to say candidate B isn't, but there, there's at least something there. Is that maybe the most difficult part of any of this online aspect that we're talking about? And, and again, when you're looking into the legality of it moving forward? The difficult part for me is that if we know a lot of employers are going online and we don't know who's looking, there's kind of an instinctive response to try to make our online lives all about work. Right. A lot of us live really far away. We use the internet for social support, connecting with other people, finding life partners. We sort out our identities. We learn things online. We have hobbies and recreation, which is actually shown to be beneficial for well-being, let alone for long-term employee health and productivity. If we start funneling our response and employers are really kind of narrowing the pool in particular ways, and it's not totally clear yet to what degree they are, it kind of impacts our society in really important ways as well as our individual lives. Because work is important, but life isn't, and society isn't just about work. It gets even more complicated if you're in a situation where sometimes work at that point is the most important because you need that income and you need to be paid, right? Because Mm -hmm. you need to eat and you need food. And so it also creates some disparities. So some people have more latitude in terms of employment with how they can act online and other people's have less. Sure. That's frustrating to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I, again, I I can definitely sense that, uh, I mean, it's not something that you've taken lightly. You've done research and you obviously are trying to find ways to to communicate that in a, a positive way. So you mentioned the idea of, you know, sort of this meshing of personal and professional. Mm -hmm. Can you look too good online where almost an employer would think, well, I'm not seeing this person doing anything other than work related or everything seems to fit exactly with what we would want. Would that bring up a red flag to an employer? I haven't seen it in the data that I've done. Okay. Now, that being said, offline stuff suggests that you can overmanage, right? The people who are kind of a little too slick. And so if you come across as a little too slick and not as authentic, if it seems a little bit too polished, it can actually get in the way. But that's kind of the offline research in interviews and interpersonal relationships. But I would suspect that it would extend online. If somebody is a little too clean, it seems a little too much like a marketing piece and a little less about being online. That being said, 
being totally work-focused for some organizations and some industries, they would consider that a perk. For others, not as much. And so some of it is a match. And I think, you know, and that probably falls in line with, as you said, kind of the offline world in general is you need to do your research and whoever, you know, if you're trying to get a certain job, that may tell you what you need to do or, or not mm-hmm. do online, I would say. We are getting a little low on time, unfortunately, but okay. I, again, I appreciate the, uh, you know, the honest insight you've been able to give us with some of this information. But what would you offer up here as sort of a lasting impression for the listeners of some of the things they could do, maybe some basic ideas, maybe a perspective or how they should think about this? Uh, again, everybody being different, I understand that. But as far as general advice that you could offer up, considering your research and experience. So the first thing I do is kind of start thinking of this as a perpetual process. We all kind of switch jobs all the time. And so we need to kind of stop thinking of looking for a job or developing our kind of career portfolio, as it were, as something we do just when we're actively looking and just kind of build it up. It also makes it much more manageable to do a little bit every so often. The second thing that I would do is really kind of understand your industry. So obviously there's some kind of extreme situations where not having any information online. Say you wanted to work undercover in the police force. Not having information online would actually be advantageous there. But in less extreme kind of more everyday life, look at what your industry is looking for and kind of set up a match with that. And I would start by focusing in on your LinkedIn and other kind of professional sites because if you spend time on those, They'll move to the top of like Google and other search engine searches, and it makes it a little bit more manageable. And so doing it kind of bit by bit, but targeting that message around the occupation and the industries that you're looking for. And then I would strongly encourage people to really think about the kind of life that they want. And so not reshaping all your hobbies and work and everything that you do towards work's end to the extent that that's possible for you. And so those are kind of the, the long-term strategies. So manage that online impression in the same way that you would any impression in your life. You know, you want to set up a good impression when you meet your girlfriend or boyfriend's parents the first time, <laughs> right? The same thing you want to do that when you meet new colleagues, new classmates. You do, we manage impressions all the time. Right. And so the way to do that is to do that in a way that's manageable for your life, consistent with what you value, but takes into account the goals that you have and what those, that audience is looking for from you. Well, Brenda, thanks again for coming on. Uh, again, I think some very good practical insight into, again, what employers might be looking for with your online presence, as well as some suggestions to be able to help our job seekers out there. So thanks for coming on. We appreciate all the information. Thanks so much, Tim. I appreciated it. It was fun. And that will wrap it up for this edition of Job Search Guide. Again, we've been discussing the idea of what employers might be looking for in your online presence and how you can help yourself out when you are looking for a job. And we did speak today with Brenda Berkelar. She is an author, teacher, and researcher at the University of Texas at Austin Moody College of Communication. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, maybe have a comment or suggestion for a future show, you can email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. That's where you can pick up the conversation right there. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.